0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's good to be back in the pulpit, or at least near to it, uh, after a few weeks. And uh, I want to begin today, this being election season, by conducting a little poll. Who here is willing to admit that at one time or another you have had a bad attitude about something or someone? in your life. Wow. I mean, I never have, but it seems like it's a bad experience. And yet today, there's this phrase that just jumps out at me from uh, that passage you heard from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and uh, that phrase is, be made new in the attitude of your minds. And maybe that's because uh, I know how powerful that a bad attitude can be in almost every aspect of of your life and the lives of the people uh, around you, just like a good one can. And maybe you've seen that, you know, in yourself, as I have seen it in myself, and also in the people around you, and how things can easily go one direction or another. Or maybe I was just kind of channeling that great Patti LaBelle song that we baby boomers danced to back in the 80s. You remember this? I'm feeling good from my head to my shoes. Know where I'm going and I know what to do, I got a new attitude. And the most important reason, of course, is that... uh, While the word attitude uh, is not one that you see very often in Scripture, although it is in there in our English Bibles, it is a word that you hear almost every day out in the culture, as in, you know, that guy has an attitude, or she needs a little attitude adjustment, or I don't think I like your attitude. And so today I want to talk with you a little bit about the relationship between your attitude and your faith and about what St. Paul is really getting at when he writes to the Christian church in the city of Ephesus and he says, be made new in the attitude of your minds. Because it seems to me that there are a lot of people in this world who think that they really don't have any control or power over the attitudes that they have about certain things and even about uh, certain people in this world because they equate an attitude with a a feeling or an emotion that they have. And as I've said many times, I mean, you can't control your feelings. You can't help your emotions. They just are what they are, and they just come in response to all kinds of things that happen to us uh, in our lives, and, and yet the truth is that a, and an attitude really isn't a feeling, or, and it's not an emotion either. An attitude is actually a way of thinking that then can have an impact on the way we feel and even have an impact on our behavior. So that an attitude is actually a predisposition, it's a tendency, it's an orientation that's different from uh, raw feelings or knee-jerk reactions to things. In fact, uh, the uh, late psychiatrist Carl Jung identified uh, an attitude as uh, the readiness or the preparedness of the human psyche to respond in a predisposed way to something that happens even before it happens. And I want to get into all of this, but first let me just give you, by way of context, a little bit of background and and remind you that when St. Paul was out there, you know, starting all these churches during his missionary journeys, in places like Corinth and Philippi and and in places like Ephesus, uh, the way he would often do that would be to go into a place that he identified as strategic for the spread of the gospel because of its location or the number of people up there who traveled through that area. And he would go into the synagogue and he would preach. And as he preached, he would demonstrate to that synagogue community that the Messiah they've been waiting for, hoping for, praying for, has come, and it's Jesus. And then the people who accepted that message, some sooner, some later, would then leave the synagogue and they would start their own community of believers in Jesus, known to us as the church, probably known more to them as a messianic synagogue, because at this point they they really saw themselves more as completed Jews than people who abandoned one religion for the sake uh, of another. But then, you know, as the message of Jesus got out into those communities and about how he is the the God who loves us who comes down to us which to this day is unique among all religion then other people began to come into this community of faith not just Jewish Christians who were coming out of the synagogue but non-Jewish Christians otherwise known as Gentiles who were also coming in to this new and increasingly diverse community known as the church which was of course a great thing but it also came with its challenges including the fact that the Gentile Christians who came from you know their pagan lifestyle just didn't have the religious background of the Jewish Christians who had this you know elaborate system of do's and don'ts, and hundreds of religious laws for getting and keeping a right relationship with God. And so by contrast, the Gentile Christians really lacked the moral compass of the Jewish Christians, and they didn't see as clearly the relationship between their faith and their behavior. And so, and so the real challenge that Paul has in his leadership of churches like the one he founded in the city of Ephesus is to stay on message that we are saved by grace through Jesus Christ and through him and his cross alone and to make sure that the Jewish Christians were dialing back on all their laws and their system of do's and don'ts and obedience, forgetting and keeping a right relationship with God because we're not saved by our obedience, we're, we're saved by the grace of God. While at the same time making sure that the Gentile Christians understood that just because you were saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, it didn't mean that, you know, then anything goes and you can do whatever you want to just because it feels good, even though it's wrong, because we're not saved by our obedience, we're saved by grace. And our obedience to God, our obedience to the will of God, is now our response to the fact that we have been saved by Jesus. And so both of these groups of people in this new dynamic and diverse church, you know, experienced a certain kind of tension between their old life and their new life, except it was coming from opposite directions. And and the challenge of leaders like Paul, and the challenge, I think, of the church today is to stay right on that message, that the article by which the whole church and your salvation stands or falls is the article of justification by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less than that. And it's not your obedience, and it's not your lifestyle. It is the grace of God and that our lives as Christians, brothers and sisters of Christ, is in response to that grace. And that, at least in part, is the context for the letter of St. Paul to the Christian community in the church of Ephesus when he calls them to be made new, to have a new attitude in their minds as people who have come to know Jesus Christ as the Messiah who changes everything. And the point of all this, then, is that at the end of the day, you really can choose your attitude. You really can have power over this new way of thinking, this spiritual predisposition, this tendency to react to certain things in a certain way, when you look at your whole life, no matter who you are, where you've come from, what your past might include in the context of Jesus. And when you do that, at the beginning, middle, and and the end of every day, several things are going to happen. For openers, you are going to see yourself differently. And then you're going to see the purpose of your life differently. And then you're going to see other people differently. And then you are going to see your circumstances differently from a whole new way of thinking that can lead to a whole new way of behaving. And so, for example, you know, there are people all over this world who look at themselves as kind of, you know, an insignificant, unimportant uh, person who do, you know, many of the things that other people do, don't seem to make a big difference in the world. There are people who are getting up in years, and, you know, they know that they've got more yesterdays behind them than tomorrow's in front of them, and, you know, they look at themselves and they think, you know, they're just taking up space. And then there are people who approach this whole thing from, you know, the opposite extreme and they define themselves, you know, by their income or their high profile job or who they're dating or how many letters they have after their name, which can leave you just as hollow, just as empty. Or you can have a new attitude, a new way of thinking and see yourself, whoever you are, whatever your vocation is, as first and foremost a child of God. And that is the highest office in the land. And then see the purpose of your life, no matter what your vocation is, as being to bring the blessings of Christ into this world in some way, big or small. When that's your predisposition, when that's your way of thinking, and that's your attitude, something is going to change. Now, I remember one day, uh, some time ago, when I got up and I uh, discovered uh, a slow leak in one of the tires in my car. And so I got in and I drove as quickly as I could to the closest tire center I could find. And I remember sitting there early that morning, waiting for my tire to get fixed, in the waiting room, and I'm watching the guy... Behind the counter doing his work and taking all the calls that were coming into the tire center that morning. It's a great day at Mr. Tire. This is Ken. How may I help you? <laughs> over and over again. And I, I mean, I, I thought to myself, you know what? It is not a great day at Mr. Tire. A bad day. Conversely, there was another day when our daughter Andrea lost a, uh, a wheel cover from one of the wheels of her car. We used to call them hubcaps. And uh, so she and I uh, went together to Crazy Ray's Junkyard <laughs> on Route 1 in Jessup. And we walked into a Crazy Ray's Junkyard, and, and the guy behind that counter looked at us and, and he said, have you ever been to Crazy Ray's before? And we said, no. And he said, Well, then, first of all, welcome to Crazy Rays. (laughs) You know, and all of a sudden, through that simple, crazy little greeting, I found myself happy to be standing in a junkyard (laughs) talking to a guy who somehow convinced me that he wasn't just there to sell me a hubcap, he was there to let me know that we mattered. And what if the guy behind the other counter could have had that attitude? You know, what if he could have seen his work as being about helping people journey through this life in safety and peace of mind? You know, what if he could see one of those cars rolling out of his shop to pick up a kid from school and to haul around the most precious cargo in the whole wide world? And to him, that meant that he was serving God. See, when we have this new attitude, we see ourselves in a different way. We see the purpose of our lives in a different way, and then we begin to see each other in a different way, and the whole thing just becomes infectious. So years ago, you know, there was this custodian guy who worked in the church that I was serving at the time, and, you know, I'd watch him sweeping the same floors, vacuuming the same carpets every day, Finally, one day I said to him, you know, hey, Robbie, you know what? You know what you are here? You're our minister of first impressions. That's what you are. Because what you do here is sending a message to the world about how important this place and what it represents is to us and how important they are to us. Because, you know, I don't think that that custodian guy really got uh, the significance of his contribution and the way he was leveraging the ministry of our congregation by what he did. And when he started to see himself, not just as a custodian, but as our minister of first impressions, you know what he did? He quit his job and went to a bigger church. (laughs) which is not what I had in mind but you know, hey, good for him and then you know you just think of all the other ways that you might behave in response to that attitude that way of thinking that Christ is in the middle of your life in the face of all the opportunities all the challenges all the temptations all the decisions that you have to make in your life. And what would it be like if with that way of thinking you approached every one of those things and you asked yourself, you know, how can I react to this as the child of God that I really am? How can my attitude about my sisters and brothers help me to quit judging and condemning people just because they sin differently than I do and instead see them as the object of God's mercy and grace like I am and just, you know, work it from there. And last but not least, you know, this attitude that Paul is talking about in his letter to the Ephesians can also help you even to see your circumstances differently or, uh, if you'll pardon the expression, in ways that are out of this world. In case you don't know it, uh, the letter to the Ephesians has six chapters in it. And the first three chapters are just filled with grace. I mean, it's just one big blessing after another. Grace upon grace upon grace. And then the last three chapters have to do with how you and I get to live our lives in response uh, to that uh, grace. But you know what really blows my mind? Is that that letter, every bit of it, all six chapters, was written by a guy... Who was imprisoned, under arrest in Rome for proclaiming Jesus Christ across the empire. And yet he worships. And yet he writes about the transfer forming all sufficient grace of God. And yet he calls on the people of that new, young, growing, and increasingly diverse community of believers made up of both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians to have a brand new attitude by knowing the one who comes to change everything. And I will tell you this. I have been so privileged to see all kinds of people including so many of you right here, walking through hell on earth. And yet you praise him. And yet you worship him and you serve him and you exalt him and glorify him and you double down on this good news of this God, this Messiah, who comes down, who is with us in everything, whose love for us is better than life and it's stronger than death. And when you've got that mindset and you've got that attitude and you've got that predisposition in your life by the grace of God, that is when everything changes. And so God bless you today, from your head to your shoes. As I close this morning by saying to the people of this diverse community of faith, wow, I really like your attitude and the way that it helps me see my life, my purpose, my circumstances, my relationships in a whole new way for the glory of God, for the joy of life, and for the hope of the world. Thank you, and to God be all the glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.